that's uh, that's very much the context of this paper um, and uh, um, uh, and the presentation I'll give that's uh, that's based on it. So the title of it is, uh, as Adam uh, um, uh, mentioned, recognition as acknowledgement symbolic politics and multicultural democracies. And I should note also that this is a co-written paper that I wrote with uh, Associate Professor Jeff Levy from UNSW, the University of New South Wales in Australia. It's part of a shared project that we have where we're developing um, uh, um, a theoretical, but also hopefully an empirical account of political symbolism and the diverse forms of political acknowledgement uh, that exist in contemporary liberal, um, liberal democracies. So the paper is a little bit kind of, in a sense, our attempt at a kind of meta theory of this, um, getting our heads around uh, how we should understand the categories and concepts and normative and critical questions uh, that come out of it. So I'll be really uh, keen to see Joe and of course everyone's reactions on that. So we take it as kind of um, as, as, as kind of um, basic or, or foundational to this type of, of, of question uh, that political symbolism is really integral uh, to the social unity of democratic states. How a political community is represented and discussed affects how citizens uh, um, affects citizens' relationships to each, to each other and to the state, particularly. So Michael Walzer uh, um, um, observed that symbolic activity is perhaps our most important means of creating uh, the social unity required for political community. He says, prior to imaginative symbolization, the union of people, political community, has uh, no palpable shape or substance. The body politic must be personified before it can be seen, symbolized before it can be loved, imagined before it can be conceived. So symbolization creates as much as it reflects political community uh, insofar as it, under, under, it establishes an understanding of how individuals and groups are linked together or how they're not. Now, despite this, and despite this kind of centrality, which I think not a lot of people wouldn't necessarily argue with, traditionally liberal theory, um, um, which has been responsible for a lot of, of, of theorization of political community, as well as multiculturalism, which I'll come to later, Traditionally, liberal theory has avoided theorizing political symbolism, especially in its relation to political identity. And we can think of this probably as the result of two fundamental commitments in liberalism. Uh, first, uh, liberal theory is generally committed, and liberal states are, are thought to be generally committed to the idea of neutrality, and the idea that states should be neutral among conceptions of the good or ways of life uh, that exist within them. And secondly, that they should be impartial towards their citizens, not favoring one set of goods over another uh, that any group may particularly have. So neutrality and impartiality um, are construed then as requiring, or traditionally um, construed then as requiring liberal governments to exercise a kind of hands-off approach to, um, to such matters. However, the explosion of, and this is a kind of narrative that we all know, uh, the explosion of grassroots identity politics uh, in the Western world in the 1960s, movements like racial justice movements, feminist gender movements, indigenous rights, subnational uh, forms of secessionism and multiculturalism, the explosion of these types of movements is often thought to have provoked many political theorists to eventually start considering these symbolic questions, as well as key institutional questions as well uh, around how to accommodate these various types of claims. The key issue that we try uh, that we try to address here, and we're going to, and I think we formulate this slightly differently. The key issue that we try to address um, in this paper is what we call the problem of symbolic inclusion in multicultural democracies. Now, this concerns the extent to which, and also the manner in which, democratic states should respond to their diverse citizens by transforming political identity through the use of, of inclusive public discourse and the chosen symbols of the state. So to what extent they should actively engage in shaping and transforming the ways in which they symbolize uh, the political community itself. In liberal democracies, these questions tend to arise in relation to uh, situations of, of minority nationalism, uh, indigenous peoples and the legacy of colonialism and large scale, scale 
immigration programs and the presence of post-immigration groups. Now, different factors really apply in each of these cases. So we're not, at least at this phase, trying to think about this in, uh, across all those types of contexts. Rather, in this, type, in, in this paper, uh, Jeff and I, we really wish to focus on the problem of the symbolic inclusion regarding the immigrant presence. And this is a topic that's usually associated with multicultural theory. Um, uh, for example, um, uh, whatever else it is, multiculturalism is, as, as Tariq Modoud, who we use a lot in the paper, uh, notes, it, it's, a, it's an effort in conceptualizing post-immigration difference. It's a way to understand the consequences of immigration on political community and the ways in which we're bonded to each other. And we argue fundamentally that the two dominant philosophical approaches to defending affirmative multiculturalism, what we call cultural rights theory and recognition theory, have had little to say on the symbolic recognition of immigrant groups. And so where we're trying to, um, I guess, plug ourselves into that gap uh, in terms of uh, a multicultural theory of recognition particularly. And the way we do that here, um, and what I'll be doing over the next uh, um, few minutes, is to pick up on a suggestion that's made by several scholars, and, and it's been made in different ways, and often quite briefly, um, and often from very different theoretical perspectives, that recognition be spoken of or reconceived of as a kind of acknowledgement. And we argue the, that the symbolic inclusion of minorities vis-a-vis -vis the political community involves forms of multicultural acknowledgement that are distinct from the kinds of recognition prescribed by the leading theories of multiculturalism. Uh, and this is because um, forms of, of acknowledgement, often as they occur, but often as we think they should occur more, uh, are reacting to the fact that minorities may both formally enjoy individual rights and state accommodations as they do in many uh, states with some kind of multicultural program, uh, accommodations of their cultures, I should say, and yet still be symbolically marginalized. So we're thinking about that context in which you, there may be a, a, a kind of recognition, often institutional or rights-based form of recognition, but, in, um, but alongside it continued symbolic marginalization of these types of groups. And we suggest uh, um, that acknowledgement helps us understand that, but also helps us think about uh, why we should do something about that in a certain sense. And we also try to draw some lines around this idea of acknowledgement by offering an early distinction between two forms of acknowledgement. So we attempt at the end of the paper of time uh, to speak about the difference between what we call general and specific forms of acknowledgement um, as we see them. And we think that this understanding of acknowledgement provides a kind of conceptual framework for analyzing the symbolic, uh, the symbolic politics of multicultural inclusion. And we're hoping that it helps us uh, develop further work on that coming out of it. So this is all just to kind of give a little bit of a preamble, um, uh, um, which explains, I guess, the structure of the paper as I'm gonna give it. Um, in the next section after this introduction, uh, I'll critically review uh, the status of the concept of recognition in multicultural political theory, and I'll argue that the leading approaches, as I've already kind of uh, intimated, ill-fit the cases of symbolic inclusion and post-immigration communities specifically. Uh, in the section following that, um, the third section, I'll, uh, I'll connect the issue of symbolic inclusion to the issue of political belonging. And I'll argue that when multiculturalism is focused on the issue of political belonging rather than cultural accommodation or issues of autonomy, we can reconceive recognition in a way that helps us think about it as a form of acknowledgement. And finally, um, in section four, I'll, I'll reconceptualize, I'll attempt to offer some, a, a kind of initial reconceptualization um, of recognition for post-immigration uh, communities as a form of multicultural acknowledgement and distinguish those general and those specific forms that I um, mentioned before. I should also note that I'm really only using these slides uh, to throw up the quotes that I'll be using, uh, uh, just because, um, as I mentioned before to the organizers, I really uh, um, uh, find it difficult when, when someone's presenting uh, and reading quotes up from various authors to actually follow the quotes. I'm not sure why it's different than normal speech, but um, I just find it particularly helpful, and so I hope you do as well.
But otherwise, what I'm saying is not uh, um, structured through the slides um, for those of you watching. So recognition um, is a key concept, I think, as we would all agree, uh, in multiculturalism discourse. It's often framed as what minorities require and as what states owe in some kind of a sense uh, to various types of groups. We argue, um, unless in the paper, that the concept nevertheless remains under theorizing discussions and that the, and that the, um, uh, the major analyses ignore a vital area of, multi uh, of multicultural politics, the symbolic immigration of immigrant, of immigrant groups. Now, the centrality of the concept, we think, stems um, from its seeming kind of fundamental, uh, its, its seeming kind of explanation of a fundamental shift in, in recent politics. Now, we all kind of know this, this, this narrative, but I think it's a really important one because it, it tells us why we constantly use the word recognition, both in academic and non-academic contexts these days, right? Most discussions of recognition begun, begin with some kind of history and the idea that fun, something fundamentally transformed or started to change around the 1960s in the politics of Western and liberal democracies. There's a kind of common idea that around this time there was a transition or an expansion from collectivist and universalistic politics oriented around class to particularistic politics around identity and culture, that suddenly uh, groups claiming injustices were doing so in terms of an identity of a subgroup within the nation and not in terms, for example, of, of, of issues necessarily focused on class-based differences. Uh, and that this is something that's changed and something that's marked our political world. Uh, and I, I mean, there was constant reference to the idea of identity politics and the various kinds of forms and, and shifts of identity politics um, uh, since then and very much in our time now. Now, the difficulty, I think, of this type of claim and the, and the concept of recognition uh, generally, and particularly as it arises in political theory, is that it's actually kind of dual in nature in many ways. Recognition is both an empirical claim about a shift in politics, right? When we talk about recognition as something that's important these days, we're saying something about what groups claim and what they want and how to understand what they want. But we're also making a normative claim um, about what a situation of justice might require, right? That you know, many would say that justice requires some kind of recognition of people uh, or treating people as political agents requires uh, recognition that democracy might require or that liberal ideals might require, as we'll see um, um, in a few seconds. Um, and that's why Lois McNay has, I think, really helpfully uh, um, talked about this dual nature as, uh, as recognition as a descriptive tool and a regulative ideal, that it's doing both of these at once, which is why the, the notion, which she doesn't like, uh, is, is, is so difficult that even critics don't seem to be able to get rid of it um, uh, or, or get past it. Now, as I've said, uh, recognition in, 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 in political theory tends to be framed either through what we call cultural rights theory or um, uh, uh, what we just left as kind of an idea of, of recognition theory. To take the latter first, we're gonna, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Charles Taylor's seminal essay, The Politics of Recognition, uh, and then I'll move on to more to more self-described liberal theories of recognition after that. Now, in many ways, this essay, Taylor's essay, uh, remains the most significant theorization of recognition regarding multiculturalism and provides the main account of what recognition for uh, cultural minorities re requires. Now, this is a really long and complex essay that I, I, and I'm not gonna attempt to, to, to address too much here. It's originally written as a lecture, which obviously means we have to read it in a certain type of way. Uh, and it meanders around a, a series of different related topics. But there's a few key claims that I would like to, uh, to pull out and think about. First, Taylor does that, that exact type of narrative that I already referred to previously. He divides modern political demands into two sorts. On the one hand, he says, there's the politics, and, and this is quote up there, the politics of universalism and equal dignity based on the idea that all humans are equally worthy of respect. 
And, and this for him has led to a universalistic politics of individual rights and modernity and entitlements that are concerned with the character and relations of shared citizenship. So this is our big kind of um, uh, um, uh, politics of, of equality around uh, fundamental structures like citizenship and the idea that we all are, are, are all of equal human worth as humans. On the other hand, he says, and this is obviously what motivates the essay, there is a more recently developed politics of difference, focused on, as he says, uh, the potential for forming and defining one's own identity as an individual, but also as a culture. Now, in this way, Taylor reframes much of modern and contemporary political discourse as claims to recognition, right? These are both recognition claims. Conflicts around equal dignity, where a group or an individual claims their common humanity or citizenship, and demands for equal respect, where individual or group distinctiveness is being ignored, misconstrued, or, um, or denigrated, they're both understood as claims to recognition for him. However, Taylor um, uh, matches or, or, or builds the, into this, 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 uh, this more empirical account of, of, um, of, uh, um, of development of our normative um, uh, models of politics. Um, uh, a normative account of, of, that clearly values one over the other. This stems from his theorization of what recognition is, because Taylor theorizes recognition and the politics of, of difference as arising from what he calls an expressivist understanding of freedom tied to the notion of authenticity. Now, expressive freedom refers to the ability, basically, that people have to pursue common purposes through distinctive languages and culture. It's a social form of freedom that requires the group to be able to live by its culture and practices, to be, to, to be and feel authentic to themselves, basically. Um, and it's for this reason uh, that someone like um, uh, Nicholas Smith, who's a great Taylor commentator, uh, uh, calls expressive, uh, expressive freedom both radically particularized as well as egalitarian in some way. However, the result of these two moves uh, on my reading of the essay on, 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 and on others and, and, and my co-author as well, um, is that Taylor ends up prioritizing the politics of difference when he actually talks about recognition. So he sets up this kind of gigantic frame. There's these two types of recognition. But when he thinks about what, about what recognition really demands, it's the politics of difference that gets the, uh, um, the main kind of emphasis. And this is, is, is I think, really well demonstrated um, in the work of Lawrence uh, Bloom, who's, who's, who's been a great critic of this essay. He says, while the issue of democratic sameness remains in Taylor's essay, it loses its deeper connection with forms of recognition, becoming instead an institutional structure that grants people equal rights as individuals or more generally different blind norms for social policy. Rather, by the end of, of Taylor's essay, it's cultural autonomy, particularly epitomized by the example of Quebec's quest for Francophone survival that defines the politics of difference. So recognition becomes about cultural survival, and it becomes about uh, the recognition of groups, about their distinctiveness, um, and equal dignity becomes a kind of claim solely for individual rights in a certain sense, even while he initially talked about it as a, um, a form of recognition, something that we would like to retain uh, that, that sense. Now, our criticism is, is uh, sort of building on this, is that even on this kind of broad and liberal terms, Taylor's dichotomous framing of political demands into two forms of recognition, um, equal dignity and equal, and, and equal respect, and this kind of idea of a historical shift, paired with a kind of normative account where he ends up privileging one over the other, ignores the symbolic aspects of political inclusion for immigrant minorities. Taylor's account cannot accommodate many of their claims for equality, what role their identity plays in their demands, the place of distinctiveness in their politics, and the different demands each uh, such groups uh, are struggling for in relation to the state and their fellow citizens. Particularly, it, it, he can't explain why equal dignity uh, can have a symbolic role uh, in, uh, in, the, in the forms of recognition they seek. 
um, reducing in a certain sense their forms of recognition to equal forms of citizenship as rights uh, and ignoring them from recognition uh, as a more kind of symbolic activity. Now, we think this is actually related to and stems from and actually kind of builds on in a certain sense, uh, indigenous scholars and critics of Taylor's work of recognition, like Glenn Coutard, who have argued uh, that Taylor's understanding of recognition is actually unduly uh, narrow and, and would largely either exclude um, indigenous groups or argue that it maintains a fundamental relation of privilege over subaltern uh, in terms of its understanding. Uh, we think this, this is certain sense points us towards our own uh, account of why it's, it, 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 it's not adequate for, uh, for post-immigration groups as well. So we've got Taylor on the one hand, and, 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 and we've made our argument that, uh, that his understanding of recognition um, uh, doesn't really fit. We also would say that liberal theories of recognition, uh, which really should be fertile ground for developing a specifically multicultural theory of recognition um, for immigrants, that here too, basically, the implicit and, and explicit understandings of recognition prove limited. And that's because a, a liberal theories of recognition, as we understand them, seek to achieve equal respect through and mainly through redrawing the boundaries of individual rights. So in a sense, they find equal respect within a broadened and more, differ more differentiated conception of equal dignity. So their emphasis is kind of the reverse. They wanna stick uh, on, um, um, in some ways uh, and focus on how to modify equal dignity uh, and ignore in a sense, or, or, or see that as sufficient for understanding equal respect. And as a result, they don't grapple with the symbolic belonging of immigrant groups to the political community writ large. And we see this as, as common, at least across a couple perspectives that we see as, as, as major in, uh, in, in this literature, both perspectives that, that, that reject the idea of, of the neutrality of the state uh, in relation to culture. So someone like Will Kimlicka, who we'll, we'll talk about in a second, and also those who accept the idea of neutrality of the state in relation to culture, someone like Alan Patton, who, and I'll say something both about these, while I will focus a bit more um, on, on, on Patton for reasons I think that will become clear. So Kimmelka's uh, liberal theory of multicultural citizens that starts with the position that the liberal state can't be neutral respect to, to the cultural differences of citizens because it has to do things like choose holidays, choose an official language and so on. Uh, the states are just simply not neutral uh, um, and, and cannot hope to be. As the state is not neutral in this way, certain cultural minorities or their or the members can be disadvantaged in pursuing their cultural choices and their attachments. Um, and so Kimlicka concludes that liberal commitments to, to autonomy and equality warrant the accommodation of group-specific cultural difference, where such accommodation is itself compatible with liberal values. So it treats in this, in this way multicultural recognition primarily as accommodations to existing laws and political legal norms, and then as accommodation specifically of the cultural differences of individuals and groups. Even where someone like Kimlicka uh, uh, entertains the idea of symbolic recognition, he often does so very briefly, and it is usually around issues uh, that are focused on the cultural distinctness of certain types of groups' traditions, such as his argument for awarding larger, um, large religious minorities a, a public holiday for one of their festivals, uh, as Christians enjoy with Easter and or Christmas, and how those are built into the state calendar. Um, I think what's more revealing actually is, is Alan uh, Patton's account, because unlike Kimlicka, Patton's theory of equal recognition makes recognition actually quite central to his theory. It's a central concept and, and it's a central argument uh, for how he understands equal citizenship. Now he rejects the standard liberal, or what he calls the standard liberal package, basing his argument for recognition on a different commitment to liberal neutrality. Specifically, he endorses what he calls a hands-on rather than hands-off conception of the neutral liberal state, in support of what he calls a fully proceduralist argument for equal recognition of minorities. However, he also has a very limited and very narrow meaning of recognition. He calls it a form, as you can see up here, a form of accommodation extended by the state to particular conceptions of a good. 
this move uh, is quite radical in some ways. It, um, it upends traditional accounts of liberal neutrality in which conceptions of the good are precisely what the state should avoid invoking in its policy making. And I'll think of some, something like uh, Rawls' The Theory of Justice uh, in terms of understanding the centrality of that type of claim to a lot of liberal theory. Patton instead argues that individuals' uh, conceptions of the good are often connected to their beliefs and preferences stemming from identification with a particular group or community uh, that shares a culture. He says, and this is again up um, on the slide, we care uh, about how they, meaning cultures fair, says Patton, because we care about the ease with which people ha having culture-related preferences can access options that correspond to their, those preferences. So for him, multicultural recognition um, involves accommodating minorities in a way that empowers them to choose, or choose not to, of course, um, to maintain those cultures that generate different conceptions of the good. And he pairs this uh, with an argument that recognition only entails equal state treatment. It concerns, as he says, rules, facilities, and resources that require that when a state recognizes some groups, not others, say by taking majority needs, beliefs, and, account, and practices into their account and not others, such as in, in the example of, of holidays, there is need to level up minorities to an equal standing of recognition. So his two or more cultures are equally recognized when similar, what he calls customized assistance is, is, is afforded to both. So unlike Kimlicka and many other defenders of cultural rights, Patton's argument uh, fundamentally focuses on equal recognition and does not make a case for some kind of substantive level of just recognition. He says, if a state engages in some form of recognition and it is granted that neutrality is a pro tanto uh, requirement of justice, then equal recognition should be required as a pro tanto requirement of justice. So in a certain sense, this is quite different, but, but, but for us, we actually see these two, two approaches as, as, as quite similar in many ways, or at least having the same type of limitation. Um, the, um, they're both limited by thinking of recognition as formal measures to ensure culture is not a barrier to the freedom of, of minority citizens. So Jonathan Seglow has, has called this a form of narrow recognition. He says that essentially uh, um, uh, both of these types of positions, uh, or as, as we read them, both of these types of positions uh, appeal to the pr principle of non-discrimination to argue that, uh, as Seglow says, members of a group should not systematically receive a lesser share of social opportunities or a greater share of social burdens merely on the basis that they happen to belong to one rather than another. So both approaches then um, to recognition, the Taylorian and the kind of liberal um, in, in multicultural theory are limited for post-immigration communities. Taylor for, uh, for us is simply not fit for purpose. It suggests activities, cultural uh, um, um, uh, survival and goals, or sorry, just activities and goals like cultural survival that do not address the exclusion of, of immigrants and their descendants. And while offering important accommodations to minorities, uh, Patton and, 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 and Kimlicka's model of recognition ignores how equal respect requires not just formal inclusion, but symbolic change as well. And I want to uh, sort of clarify that case uh, by turning now to the concept of belonging, which I think will help or by thinking about the way in which recognition links to the concept of belonging uh, as a way to kind of fill out that claim that this doesn't speak to, to, to post-immigration communities. Because we argue here uh, in, in, in this part of our discussion that a theory of multicultural uh, recognition should speak to both the aims to both aims of recognition, the equal dignity of citizenship and the equal respect uh, of various groups within citizenship. And further that it should illustrate how these features are not only interrelated, but mutually constitutive. Um, uh, what Tariq Madhu calls the interaction and mutuality between the two kinds of equality. So this section, uh, in this section, I'm gonna argue uh, that to theorize 
uh, recognition in this way requires an understanding of the harm of political exclusion and the form it takes for, for immigrants in liberal democracies. It then turns, um, I'll then turn to the concept of belonging and what inclusive recognition really entails. So instead of starting a multicultural theory from the goal of rendering cultural difference compatible with the liberal state, uh, society or economy, we'd like to follow uh, Modude again in starting from a different point. Now, like Taylor, Modude argues that, that quote him, the starting point is, um, for multiculturalism is the politics of recognition of difference or respect for identities that are important to people as identified in minority assertiveness. However, crucially, unlike Taylor, Modud holds that the importance of difference and identity does not stem from the account of moral personhood or the value of, of authenticity. It's not based on some kind of idea uh, about how we constitute ourselves and, and, and how we engage or, or how we might experience, for example, forms of harm uh, uh, through non-recognition. Rather, Modud begins with the fact of, of, or what he calls the fact of negative difference understood as group differences which have been which have created unequal relations of what he calls alienness inferiorization stigmatization stereotyping exclusion discrimination racism etc but also the senses of identity that groups so perceived have of themselves so negative difference is not about cultural distinctiveness but about inequality that compromises equal membership and, and dignity um, it's about groups that experience inequality as a result of being seen as different right um, along some set of metrics, right, or, or along some set of features, right? Um, it can be uh, obviously different uh, depending on the group at play. Religion could be important in one, race could be important in another, right? The, the way in which a group is characterized or, 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 or sort of susceptible to uh, negative difference uh, will vary considerably depending on the actual group and, of course, the majority society around them. Um, the, the groupness is kind of the issue. Importantly, though, Mudud argues that, that this type of, of or, or that this, the existence of negative difference is also kind of too, too directional. Uh, for him, negative difference often produces what he calls um, ethnic assertiveness, the attempt to resist racism and stereotyping by, uh, by counterposing positive images of the group to those often fixated on their own culture. So this is really important for him, basically, in, in, in most uh, democracies, what, um, the politics of, of belonging, the politics of political community involves a dialectic of negative difference and ethnocultural assertiveness. And th this is really important for thinking uh, uh, about multicultural recognition. By beginning with, with, with these things, negative difference and ethnocultural assertiveness, instead of cultural difference, groupness in multicultural democracies is defined not only from within, by, by minority communities themselves, but also, um, as Madhu notes, from the outside from the representations and treatment of the minorities in question. So what's key here then is acknowledging that these groups have been constituted as groups and that at least partially the constitution of the group in a multicultural society occurs from the outside, uh, from, from what they have been designated as or how they have been designated as different, I should say. And this brings us to our kind of key problem in the way we would articulate for multicultural groups and how they are constituted, the problem of symbolic exclusion as it incurs in democratic states. Now, symbolic exclusion, we tend to think of uh, in terms of um, uh, the, um, ideas like internal exclusion uh, that scholars like Iris Marion Young have articulated. Unlike ex uh, external exclusion, which is obviously which, which is very overt, you know, say when a group is you know legally prohibited from 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 participating, internal exclusion is a more subtle and pernicious form that occurs when they have access. Young describes it in this way. She says, having obtained a presence in the public. Citizens sometimes find that those still more powerful in the process exercise, often unconsciously, a new form of exclusion. Others ignore or dismiss or patronize their statements and expressions. 
such exclusion is indirect, right? It's the product of the social status of some groups and the way their identities are marked by negative differences around culture, religion, race, language, or ethnicity. Their identities, their values and histories and, the ways, and their ways of speaking and interacting are quite simply outside the norm and so are either ignored or specifically denigrated. Now for young, internal exclusion has the capacity to deeply undermine democratic relations and social communication and compromise citizenship. When a group is constituted as marginal or outside the norm in some way, and this is tied to the identity, they, they endure a form of exclusion from the political community itself. And this to us raises uh, the concept of belonging. Belonging is a bit of a difficult concept in political theory. It's both used a lot and under-theorized uh, um, constantly. Uh, but broadly, we can think of it as considering the cognitive and affective attachments to others that cement our various forms of groupness, as you can see from the quote there from one of my other works. Belonging provokes questions about the process, about what process and resources facilitate unity or collectivity uh, beyond a mere aggregation of individuals. So to belong to a community is to participate in the life of it, uh, to understand and be understandable to other members of it, and to be able to, be, to recognize and be recognized by fellow members. The belonging concerns how a political community imagines the internal relationship with members, what binds them and makes them feel at home in their community. While different governments will, of course, attempt to construct belonging on their own different models, in general, to belong to a political community, the constituent groups must believe that the polity reflects at least part of what they are, and that they are not merely constituents in, but also constitutive of the political community. They have to see the political community as, as somehow holding some aspect of themselves uh, as well. And in this sense, belongingness, I think, mirrors the analysis of post-immigration and negative difference that I outlined above, both the representation of political belonging from dominant actors and the response from various communities that seek to belong affect its prospect and outcomes. And we have to understand that post-immigration communities are particularly situated in this regard as a sense of belonging is typically cumulative in political communities, right? It, it builds, right? People don't immediately belong when they enter um, a new political community. And it's often hard won for new entrants who are common seen as culturally different and who are somehow outside of the national ideal of citizenship and the attributes citizens are meant to have. Formal political membership and rights are of course an important and necessary initial step, but the belonging is, is, it attempts to highlight a much longer process towards social acceptance and really membership uh, in the political community. But this means that post-immigration communities often hold quite different levels of belonging from each other, depending on their relation to the national ideal, the set of, of symbols, norms, values, and images that define membership uh, and citizenship. We can think of a lot of narratives around good and bad migrants, uh, a lot of uh, uh, narratives about successful and unsuccessful migrants, and lots of, 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 of different uh, um, um, uh, arguments, very commonly represented in the media, uh, around which migrants uh, share Canadian or other values, um, and those that do not. Some communities may enjoy relative acceptance, and even valorization while others are targeted and marginalized. However, even relatively accepted communities um, in the post-immigration context tend to find a lower ceiling on their belonging in comparison to the established majority community. All of this really, um, in, uh, I think, in, intensely uh, intimates how belonging depends on and is constructed through recognition. I'd like to bring in a, a, a pragmatist uh, a thinker for just a moment uh, uh, to kind of fill this point out. Thomas Faustin, uh, has recently argued, using the work of Rand, uh, that we have to think about uh, the way legitimacy operates in liberal democratic states uh, as around, uh, around the concept of stances. He, he, uh, he notes how political subjects, he says, and this is the quote, um, uh, the last quote on the page here, are forced implicitly or explicitly to take a stance when confronted with authorities that attempt to rule them. Whether they follow or conform to the state's dictates, 
uh, or whether they resist, reject, or ignore them, citizens always take a position in relation to the legitimacy of the state. And this is also true of states, right? States take positions in relation to various communities. Uh, they take stances towards them as, as communities that either, for example, embody Canadian values or do not uh, as, 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 um, as, as communities that either, um, uh, um, you know, are, you know fulfill the ideal Canadian citizenship or, or do not. And similarly, various groups take those stances as well. And so there is a complex symbolic activity going on in, in, in liberal democracies between various groups uh, and between the states and those, uh, the state and those various groups in terms of the way in which they see each other and the types of legitimacy they see each other having. In this way, states and citizens really constantly engage in a kind of practical exchange of recognition or the withholding of it. In terms of belonging, this recognition involves acts by states, groups, and individuals that construct the inclusion or otherwise of groups in the political community. Um, and we would say that this activity permeates all levels of political society um, um, with the important caveat that the state's relation to political legitimacy, see, uh, especially in a democracy, has a really particular effect for identity claims, right? The way the state chooses to represent a political community and particularly a subgroup's place in that political community is much more efficacious than say the way a minority you know, represents a political community, right? It's gonna have much more impact and speak with much more voice in a certain sense uh, um, than, than other actors. Uh, which is why uh, um, we'll argue that there's particular normative uh, responsibilities the state then has to uh, has to have. So a theory of multicultural recognition uh, on this argument for, for us must be attuned to this complex symbolic politics of belonging and the way that post-immigration communities challenge the existing forms uh, of recognition within liberal democratic states. So I'll move on now. Uh, then to come to kind of the last major topic, which is thinking then about what that tells us about multicultural acknowledgement and how that helps us think about recognition as a particular thing in this context. Even with the kind of recognition, the, the, the connection between recognition and belongingness in view, there remains this kind of question. How do we conceptualize recognition to best address the problem of post-immigration belonging? What kind of recognition speaks to the situation of negative difference, internal exclusion, and, and, and unequal belonging that many migrants face? We argue that there's another kind of uh, uh, multicultural rec recognition that's best conceived of as acknowledgement, where the aim is the symbolic inclusion of post-immigration communities within the political community as equal members. Now, this is actually the, the idea that acknowledgement helps us understand what recognition really amounts to is an idea that's, that's been uh, suggested by several authors, often with varying degrees of specificity or with uh, um, different intents and often with quite different uh, meanings to it. But I'm thinking here people like Patchen Markel, uh, Anna Galliotti, or and James Tully. We're going to take James Tully and Patch Markel um, um, uh, uh, as our kind of main cases, mainly because they give the longest accounts of what this is, and also ones that help us build our own account particularly. Um, well, each we think has some important insights, though we do differ uh, importantly from each of these uh, in terms of the way that we think about um, uh, acknowledgement. Um, as well, so I'm finding my place. So Tully, I'll, I'll, I'll take Tully first. Tully argues that the concept of recognition has tended to presuppose um, a, a fixed authentic or autonomous identity as the object of, of recognition. So this tends to be his kind of criticism of a lot of uh, liberal approaches to recognition that they tend to take these groups and these identities as fixed and autonomous uh, and, and ignore the complexity of these types of, of, of politics. This, this misunderstands for him the ongoing and practical nature of recognition uh, which is a political process of struggling for the distinctive good of, uh, of acknowledgement, as he terms it. Uh, acknowledgement for him involves a kind of certain democratic relation that can occur between groups when they have access to the forms of contestation that set the terms of political community. For example, constitutional revision, right? He says, 
uh, quote them at length up here. When a group puts forward a demand for recognition, they seek to disclose the, mix, the misrecognition or non-recognition in the existing rule of mutual recognition of themselves and others, to persuade others it is unjust and intolerable, and display publicly a preferred alternative. The implicated others, whose reciprocal identities are called into question, acknowledge this illocutionary action by responding and entering into egoic negotiations. So in this account, recognition is not a state of accommodation, rather it's an ongoing activity of such games of reciprocal disclosure and acknowledgement, as Sully calls them, that underwrite the prospects of political belonging. By being heard and hearing others in turn, especially in formal um, uh, contexts, they say, is, you know, in recent contexts where, where this, you know, the state has been obligated to consult, for example, indigenous groups about land use, um, citizens come to identify uh, with their political society by by being heard and by having sort of uh, and being addressed in a certain sense as uh, co-citizens, um, and, and that this is kind of irrespective for Tully of, 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 the, of the success of their actual claims or their contestation. Now, there's there's some strengths to this understanding as we see them. Uh, first, acknowledgement is related to recognition insofar as it taps a set of relations between groups. So importantly, um, um, he's seeing acknowledgement as, as, as a set of relation between groups uh, involving how they approach the others as part of the political community. Second, recognition, uh, until his view, very clearly becomes an ongoing process as, as, the, um, as the stances that parties adopt will shift depending on the context and the actual struggle that's being undertaken in the moment. Third, we think Tully's right to tie acknowledgement to political equality. Um, he notes uh, it, in a paper with David Owen that recognition needs to be understood as acknowledging citizens in ways, uh, in citizens in ways that are appropriately responsive to their status as free and equal uh, persons or members of the polity. And finally, we think that connecting recognition, uh, acknowledgement, I should say, between groups, and especially between the state and groups, uh, connecting acknowledgement to political belonging really demonstrates how this symbolic act of, 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 of acknowledging others has profound implications for the status. But we still see Telly's kind of falling short of actually thinking about uh, what that means for symbolic inclusion. He tends to exclusively associate acknowledgement with democratic participation, which ignores how uh, certain key actors like governments and states can wield deep legitimizing and delegitimizing, and delegitimizing powers through public discourse and affect the symbolic inclusion of a group. Um, and still, uh, and he still tends to associate belonging as a result with formal access, right? With access to democratic contestation, which may not be an emphasis on rights, but similarly is an emphasis on a core aspect of institutional citizenship rather than a kind of symbolic politics. Markel, on the other hand, um, it does something quite a bit different. I mean, he, he disagrees with Tully in many ways, but like Tully, he rejects the kind of liberal accom accommodationist understanding of recognition in favor of acknowledgement. For us, though, the key value of, of Mar Markel's account lies in his dissociation of acknowledgement uh, from the content of the identity being acknowledged. Now, he takes this in a particular direction towards a kind of ontological account uh, that we don't follow him in. So I'm only going to be talking about a very particular aspect of his account of acknowledgement. But it's that aspect where he dissociates acknowledgement from the content of the identity being acknowledged that we think is important. Now, he gets this point from uh, the work of Stanley Cavill. Um, who argues that acknowledgement should be contrasted with knowledge rather than recognition, so not with the concept of recognition, but the concept of knowledge. This is because what matters in, 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 um, is not knowing another person directly or even something special about them. What matters, as, as, as Markel glosses, is what we do in the presence of the other, how we respond to an act in light of what we do know. This is a really crucial point because since Taylor, and I didn't uh, say that much about this, uh, but since Taylor's essay, Multicultural recognition has been closely associated with the idea that it is the content of an identity or culture that is the object of recognition, right? Some actual cultural set of practices or beliefs, right? 
This is intuitive in a certain way, but it's, but it's ultimately quite distracting as well. It makes acknowledgement and active assessing the identities, practices, cultures, beliefs, and values of others and affirming them or not affirming them, but then not recognizing them. However, such assessment and affirmation are in our view, not necessary or sufficient for multicultural acknowledgement, which is aimed at the political belonging of groups affected by negative difference. So building on this, we propose an understanding of acknowledgement as a posture, uh, and I'm kind of defining here, as a posture or act towards others that symbolically includes them as equal members in the political community. Of course, there's quite a bit of legitimate debate to be had about um, um, on what equal, what equal membership reasoning means beyond formal rights, but that's exactly what kind of acknowledgement is pointing us to, is, is to give some content to what that means. And I'll make two further points about acknowledgement uh, to, to try and, and give some shape to, to, to what we mean here. The first is that we see acknowledgement as symbolically politicizing. So liberal democratic societies depend on understandings and practical negotiations of the public-private divide. Now we can all critique this, this conceptual division, and I don't know any, any critical colleagues will want to do that immediately. But in our view, the, the, some kind of public-private divide is always operative uh, in some way in every type of society, insofar as there are common um, understandings, even if they're unclear and even if they're contested, but there'll be common understandings of what is politically relevant and what is not. The issue of multicultural recognition is precisely to debate over whether the differences of a certain group are politically relevant. So acts of political acknowledgement where actors take up a stance in relation to the political community are a kind of posture of making something of common concern in need of common recognition or its denial. And I think this point uh, is really quite well demonstrated by, by the work of Thomas Nagel, um, who was writing on a very different topic when he wrote this, uh, but which captures this property of acknowledgement really precisely. He says the essential function of the boundary between what is acknowledged and what is not is to admit or decline to admit potentially significant material into the category of what must be taken into consideration and responded to, responded to collectively by all parties in the joint enterprise of discourse, action, and justification that proceeds between individuals whenever they come into contact. If something is not acknowledged, then even if it is universally known, it can be left out of consideration in the collective social process. We were thinking here of something like, for example, the, the, the continuing and very strong debate between various sections of political society over the existence of structural racism. To acknowledge and give credence to the notion of structural racism, for example, from a government, immediately brings in and politicizes the kinds of negative differences that, 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 uh, um, that racialized individuals and racialized groups claim to experience uh, in uh, liberal democratic societies. To deny it, obviously, does the opposite. And so that kind of acknowledgement, right? If, for example, in something like Motion 103, uh, the condemnation of, of Islamophobia, um, immediately politicizes the negative difference uh, that, uh, that Islamic members of, of, or uh, I should say Islamic citizens experience, right? Um, in a way uh, that, that fits into what we think of as kind of multicultural acknowledgement. Um, uh, and, and, and in a way which lots of uh, uh, obviously forms of politics in our society would, would seek to, to reject. So the role of this politicization for us is really crucial. Publicly acknowledging the importance of ethnocultural diversity or something else like the existence of structural racism makes that diversity an aspect of the political community. This goes beyond merely including its, its individual members and citizens by making their specific diversity, as well as some of the, the, the obstacles and, and, and inequalities they, they, they might live under, um, and the, uh, but also the, just the kind of general fact of diversity, a kind of constitutive aspect of the political community uh, to be recognized. And my co-author, um, um, Jeff Levy, uh, has importantly called this um, 
change my my uh, uh, my slide there. What he calls this the signification of presence. This is an elementary form of acknowledgement that expresses awareness and acceptance that there are others about in our political community. Unlike classical theories of recognition, it's not about reflecting back an affirmation of the content of my day, but asserting that legitimate presence of others, but asserting that legitimate presence of others who do belong. And it achieves this by being fundamentally additive generally, although not exclusively as a strategy, rather than subtractive. Acknowledging others does usually not require the non-recognition of majority or established minority groups. As such, it tends to be a kind of piecemeal and ad hoc process, one well suited to the cumulative nature of post-immigration uh, difference. Uh, the one that we think can also be deeply transformative. I'll be keen to hear what people think of that. The second key feature of political acknowledgement that we want to point out is its connection to legitimization. Acknowledgement can also be a kind of specific invitation to, to equal democratic me membership directed at some group and may be necessarily uh, a kind of necessary prerequisite for the political equality of those affected by negative difference and internal exclusion. And again, here, we revert to the work of Young, uh, who, who argues that democratic state responses to the internal exclusion of a group must include an explicit form of symbolic inclusion directed at that group. So what she calls greeting or public acknowledgement is a kind of communicative gesture necessary for democratic equality. Greeting, she says, um, refers to those moments in everyday communication where people acknowledge one another in their particularity and listen to their opinions and take them seriously. Such greetings we see uh, are preconditions of democratic political community as they are symbolic gestures of equality that make the presence and legitimacy of a group apparent to all members. So the aim then this type of activity is to shift the symbolic imaginary of the state in a way that allows post-immigration communities to enjoy the same level and sense of belonging as, uh, as majority communities. We can think of something like the Declaration of Heritage Month, or for example, the acknowledgement of particular uh, um, really important cultural dates uh, that, that, that many governments uh, um, engage in these days um, as uh, good examples of this. Now, these twin features of acknowledgement, and I'm coming to the end now, um, so I'll be keen to wrap up, but I, these twin features of acknowledgement, politicalization and, legit, and legitimation really highlight how, how acknowledgement can take at least two forms as we say it. So this is kind of a, an initial distinction we want to make um, 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 that, uh, uh, that hopefully will lead to further specificity as well down the road. So we see there at least the possibility of there being two forms of acknowledgement, general and specific forms. General forms of acknowledgement, of multicultural acknowledgement, take the form of recognitions and diversity, uh, recognition of diversity and, the, and of the constitutive role it takes in the political community. And this is important because general acknowledgement is not a recognition of common humanity because it, it doesn't acknowledge what we all share, but, it, but it, 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 rec it recognizes the general presence of those who differ. What is shared here is a kind of consequent valuation of that presence as something important to the community and a sense that it has altered that community in something changed by diversity and the challenges of, of overcoming negative difference. In this way, acts of acknowledgement in this general form would include those that symbolically recognize diversity as a kind of historically important effect on and value for political community. And we're thinking here symbolically of things like you know, very famous metaphors of mosaics, melting pots, and kaleidoscopes that tend to dominate political discourse, uh, commitments to immigration, uh, to, to multiculturalism as a project, to inclusion and tolerance, uh, can all be kind of important representations of this value. Obviously, things like constitutional, legislative, and policy commitments, all of which Canada has a very strong um, um, history of, uh, can be quite, quite demonstrable, uh, um, but it even goes to much wider uses of, of political language. On the other hand, Specific multicultural acknowledgements are those, as I already kind of intimated uh, in the discussion of Young, are those that address a particular group for inclusion. 
These uh, acknowledgements are greetings and invitations to full membership in a full in political community. They signal that that group and all others uh, that this group belongs. They value and legitimize their presence rather than the content of their specific beliefs and practices, right? It's but their presence. And they serve as bridges to highlight that group's uh, particular experience of exclusion and eventual inclusion in, in, the, in the political life of the nation. So here we're thinking of things like uh, uh, official apologies for past wrongs, official conduct condemnations of, of racism or exclusion, recognition of significant cultural events, alterations to offensive symbols or histories of, um, and, and histories of immigration, for example, can be important state-led acts that assert the equality and membership of a particular group as co-belonging. Now, what's really important about these types of, 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 of acknowledgements is that they tend to be very time and context sensitive, responding to, to particular controversies and public discussions, uh, and they're also performative. They're usually repeated in multiple forms and performed for different audiences within the target community and beyond. Now, this is all just to say then that, 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 this, that this notion of, of um, uh, a multicultural acknowledgement is very initial in form, um, but we think that there's a strong argument for it as well. Uh, just, just by way of conclusion, I'll just note, because I don't want to reiterate everything I've just said, um, the concept of recognition, while pervasive in multicultural political theory, we really, uh, our argument is, is that the two iterations of recognition theory um, uh, that we presented uh, um, as kind of dominating the literature, cultural rights theory and Taylor's recognition theory, really do fail to capture a vital area of, of multicultural politics, namely the symbolic representation of, the, of political society and its members. And that building on, 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 on uh, the kind of suggestion that, that acknowledgement is, um, is, um, is, is, a keen, is an important way of, of, of understanding recognition, we think that that concept speaks instead to the standing of post-immigration groups within the political community and, and the importance of symbolic inclusion in this endeavor. And, that, and we uh, think, think here that, that this um, actually manages to uh, hold separate, but, but, but relate the, the kind of projects of equal dignity and, and, and equal respect that someone like Taylor uh, offered us. To be fully effective, the equal dignity of, of individuals requires a specific practice of equal respect and acknowledgement of people and their groups as being co-constitutive of the political community. Um, and such acknowledgement for us, importantly, does not have to, uh, does, does not necessarily require or is not necessarily related to the accommodation of minority cultural practice, which is at least a slightly different um, issue um, as well, because of the fact that this form of acknowledgement really does stem from uh, the analysis and the understanding of negative difference that marks post-immigration groups and that we see it as coming from that kind of analysis and that type of impetus uh, as a result. Um, and as a result, we see it as, as doing something quite different. I think I'll leave it there and just say thank you so much. Uh, and I look forward to, to Joe's comments and the uh, uh, forthcoming discussion.